This is 51%. According to the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, about 7,500 claims of sexual harassment were submitted in 2019. This includes reports from the private sector and state and local government workplaces. It represents a 10% increase from 2015. According to a 2018 survey by the nonprofit Stop Street Harassment, 81% of women and 43% of men have experienced some form of sexual harassment during their lifetime. More than half of those women reported unwelcome sexual touching. So it's not a total surprise that the state capitol in Albany, New York, has found itself in the middle of another reckoning over sexual harassment this spring. I want to address the recent allegations that have been made against me. It's the scandal New York Governor Andrew Cuomo can't escape. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo will be investigated for alleged sexual harassment. The misconduct allegations against Governor Cuomo took a new turn today. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo now faces an impeachment investigation in the state assembly. President Biden has weighed in for the first time on the scandals surrounding New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, who faces multiple allegations of sexual harassment. On Friday, a seventh woman accused the governor of sexual harassment, including an unwelcome kiss and a suggestion that they play strip poker while flying in the governor's private plane. I thought, he's trying to sleep with me. The governor's trying to sleep with me. I fully support a woman's right to come forward. Well, no trouble for Governor Andrew Cuomo. Another woman has stepped forward, accusing him of kissing her without consent. I now understand that I acted in a way that made people feel uncomfortable. I'm attorney Gloria Allred, and with me is Sherry Bill, the 10th woman to accuse New York Governor Andrew Cuomo of inappropriate sexual conduct. You can go find hundreds of pictures of me uh, kissing people, uh, men, women. It is my usual and customary way of greeting. And now I will show you the photo of the governor kissing Sherry. I never touched anyone inappropriately. Dozens of New York state officials have been subpoenaed in the sexual harassment investigation of New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Several high-ranking Democrats are joining calls for Andrew Cuomo to resign. It's clear that Governor Cuomo has lost the confidence of his governing partners as well as the people of New York. In addition to the members of Congress, all of the 43 Democratic state senators have called for the governor's resignation, as well as dozens of Assembly Democrats. The allegations of these women are very, very troubling. The one last night was particularly nauseating. Some Republicans, meanwhile, calling for New York Governor Andrew Cuomo to resign. I'm not going to resign. I was not elected by the politicians. I was elected by the people. I never harassed anyone. I never abused anyone. I wasn't elected by politicians. I was elected by the people of the state of New York. Uh, I'm not going to resign. There are often many motivations for making an allegation. I feel awful about it. And frankly, I am embarrassed by it. 
Longtime women's rights attorney Gloria Allred is representing one of several women accusing New York Governor Andrew Cuomo of sexual misconduct. The allegations vary from under-the-shirt groping to kisses on the cheek and probing questions about sexual preferences. The third-term Democrat denies touching anyone inappropriately. Allred's client, Sherry Ville, who came forward March 29th, says Governor Cuomo came to her Rochester-area home in 2017 to survey flood damage. Ville says he grabbed her face and kissed her without her consent. And when I walked in, I said to the governor, do you think that we have to live like this? That's when the governor looked at me, approached me, took my hand, and pulled me to him. He leaned down over me and kissed my cheek. I was holding my small dog in my arms, and I thought he was going to pet my dog, but instead he wedged his face between the dog and mine and kissed me on the other cheek. Allred also displayed a photo of the alleged encounter. Governor Cuomo faces an investigation overseen by Attorney General Tish James and an impeachment inquiry in the state assembly. Allred says the problem with men, especially those in power, is that they don't think they need to ask for permission to invade a woman's personal space. She says women have a right to personal boundaries. You know, uh, grabbing women is, and doing whatever some powerful men want to do with them is almost considered normal. And I think we have to break out of that normalization of, you know, what some men think they have a right to do to women without asking them, without seeking their permission, without seeking their advanced consent. Governor Cuomo has apologized for making people feel uncomfortable. I didn't mean it that way, but if that's how they felt, that's all that matters, and I apologize. Allred says good intentions are irrelevant. Because what one man views as comforting someone or just greeting someone, the women could view as a huge invasion of space. I don't know why people think it's okay to touch a woman at all, especially a woman that a person is just meeting, without her consent. There has been social media backlash against Bill, with some saying a kiss on the cheek is not that bad or that she seemed to enjoy it at the time. Allred says critics need to put themselves in Bill's shoes. He's almost six feet tall. She's approximately five feet tall. She said he towered over her and there was nothing that she could do. So do I take this seriously, Jacqueline? Yes, I do. And I will continue to take all of the allegations of all of the women seriously. Whenever you're ready. One. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> yes. Okay, perfect. I'm ready. Here we go. Please edit that part out. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. Okay, my name is... My- <laughs> My name is Alessandra Biaggi. Alessandra Biaggi is a Democratic New York State Senator representing parts of Westchester County and New York City. She says she experienced bullying while working for Cuomo and has been sexually harassed in her career, which is why she feels so passionate about the Sexual Harassment Working Group, a group of former legislative staffers from Albany. Who either have um, from their own accounts and experiences, unfortunately experienced either harassment or um, abuse, um, in some instances rape, um, at the hands of legislators or other legislative staffers um, who, at the time that they experienced this harm, um, were really not um, protected by the legislature in a way that allowed them to have justice because it was just very calcified into the culture of Albany to protect abusers rather than the ones who were being abused. 
Biagi says they are working to shift that culture by advocating for bills that make workplaces safer. She says the best way to make this legislation happen is to give survivors a seat at the table. And they continue to not only pursue justice on behalf of other survivors, but to really be at the forefront of every single conversation that is centered around the voices of survivors of harassment, abuse, misconduct, um, and assault. Biagi says the group is prioritizing five bills to keep New York moving in what she calls a forward direction to transform a culture that she says silences survivors. One bill makes the state and all public employers subject to the human rights law. She calls it eliminating their license to harass by codifying that the staff of elected and appointed officials are employees of the governmental entity that they work for, whether it's New York State, a city, a county, or a smaller municipality. Currently, federal Title VII contains a carve-out for the personal staff of elected officials, which is crazy. And so it exempts those workers from protections against discrimination and harassment. And it's really been used as a, a weapon to deny employees recourse. Biagi recalls the 2014 resignation of one state assemblyman after seven legislative staffers accused him of sexual harassment. Biagi says the staff weren't officially allowed to bring any claims against him, though. Because they were not considered, quote-unquote, employees. Biagi interned for former Congressman Joseph Crowley and worked as assistant general counsel for Governor Cuomo's Office of Storm Recovery. She also served as counsel in Governor Cuomo's counsel's office and as a member of his executive clemency team. She says based on her experience with the governor, she believes the allegations of bullying and harassment. One thing that has been noted over and over from former aides in his administration is the bullying that they experienced from Secretary Melissa DeRosa in particular. Um, it's been said that Cuomo hides his harassment behind a phalanx of strong women. I want to yes. know, what was your experience? I mean, that is, that is absolutely the experience that I have witnessed personally and also have heard others witness as well. Biagi claims Cuomo's progressive agenda and public promotion of female staffers is a veneer. Behind the scenes is not only an attempt to undo or to prevent some of the policies that have actually moved forward in the legislature from coming to the floor, but there is an attempt to also intimidate, berate, belittle, condescend, threaten, um, and really cause harm to anybody whether it's a member of their own team, whether it's a legislator, a member of the press, or just a regular public New Yorker walking in the streets who happens to tweet something that you know is critical of the governor, um, any, any of those people are considered, quote unquote, like an enemy of Andrew Cuomo. Biagi is chair of the Senate Ethics and Internal Governance Committee. She claims Cuomo's vindictiveness is carried out by top aides. Governor Cuomo's spokesperson has acknowledged the office is a, quote, hard-charging environment that is not for everyone, but denies harassment claims. Cuomo has resisted widespread calls to resign as his political troubles mount, including an investigation into the reporting of nursing home deaths during the COVID-19 pandemic. Cuomo says he would not bow to, quote, cancel culture. Politicians take positions for all sorts of reasons including political expediency and bowing to pressure. But people know the difference between playing politics, bowing to counsel, cancel culture, and the truth. 
People know the difference between playing politics, bowing to cancel culture, and the truth. Biagi says he's hiding behind buzzwords. To him, people saying that he should be held accountable for his bad behavior is considered cancel culture. When in reality, what it actually is, is people finally, in, in unison, speaking out about the abuse that he has waged against them. Biagi says people are finally seeing the Cuomo she experienced firsthand. She says she's spoken to legislators across the country about their experiences with their own governors, Democrats and Republicans. And she said those talks made her realize how abusive and abnormal New York government can be. Biagi says another bill ensures legislative and judicial staff who report violations of law and misconduct are not retaliated against. Others extend the statute of limitations for reporting harassment, ban no-hire clauses in workplace settlement agreements, and one requires lobbyists to take annual sexual harassment training. The lobbyists are also the ones who are perpetuating harm, and so we've got to make sure that it extends beyond just the traditional workplaces, but also beyond um, into the quote-unquote lobbies of the legislatures. Biagi says she didn't vote for Cuomo in the last election, and she won't be voting for him ever again. If he does not resign, our responsibility as a legislature is to have a true, transparent, um, and accountable impeachment process go forth. What we know so far about this is that the investigation will take months, which is just, you know, just outrageous in its own right. And I think that we should be outraged because uh, I think that the importance of this issue is the timeliness of how we deal with it. And they know that too. And so that, that leads me to really believe that this is a slow walking of the process. Biagi sponsors Bill S-738 concerning NDAs for victims of sexual harassment. This is a bill that will really build on the protections that were passed into law last year um, and also the year before um, by ensuring that survivors are not financially liable about speaking out against their experience. Biagi says non-disclosure agreements have been used historically to silence the voices of sexual harassment. Even though the survivors really may genuinely want to sign an NDA to protect their own privacy, which, of course, we can understand. Um, there's a liquidated, liquidated damages clause, and those clauses in those NDAs are often used by employers to financially deter a survivor from changing their mind. And so what the bill will do is protect survivors who do choose to sign NDAs from having to pay liquidated damages if they later speak out about their experience. Allred has come under fire in the past for securing nondisclosure agreements, or NDAs, for her clients. Allred fired back, quote, advocates who call confidential settlements hush money are ignorant of the law. Allred says her job is to protect clients and do what they want and authorize. And many of those clients prefer the privacy of a confidential settlement. They don't want anyone to know that they have, you know, lodged a complaint file a claim against their employer. They don't want to anyone to know that they've been raped or sexually assaulted or sexually abused or forced to watch pornography or had their breasts or their derrieres grabbed or, you know, they don't want anyone to know that. And they have a right to privacy. Allred says even with an NDA, clients can still go to the police and file a report and still testify in a criminal case. She says they could also testify publicly in someone else's case.
Biagi says the NDAs can be great for survivors who don't want anyone to know what happened to them, but... The problem with these NDAs is that it has this provision in there where it, where it says that if you speak out about your abuse, and when I say speak out, I'm talking about speaking out even to your therapist or to a friend or to a family member like your mother or your father, and somebody finds out, um, you can be held accountable for speaking out because that is a violation of your NDA. And Biagi says liquidated damages, what the survivor would have to pay for speaking out about the abuse after the NDA is signed, means a hefty fee. It could be upwards of tens of thousands of dollars that someone who had to endure and survive sexual harassment, assault and abuse now is going to be financially held accountable because they use their voice. Allred says she's never encountered an instance in which someone paid damages for speaking to a therapist. But she also said confidential settlements come in all different shapes and sizes, with all different terms. Biagi says she is a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. One of the things that I experienced and really struggled with was being silent because I felt so much shame around what happened to me. And I really did believe that I was going to actually go to my grave with what happened and I would never really talk about it. Biagi says when she finally did open up, it didn't fix all her problems, but it did give her one thing. What I definitely felt was a, a liberation from the dark places of shame and, and, and the places that abuse keep a lot of people in. Biagi says it takes most people upwards of 10 years to speak out about their abuse, and some never do. After gathering the courage to tell people what happened, she doesn't want victims to be muzzled by an NDA. There's positive to NDAs, but the negative portion of NDAs is this liquidated damages clause that has to go. Decades into her high-profile legal career, Allred says the battle against sexual harassment has come a long way. She's seeing higher settlements in court than ever. I had uh, a case, our law firm did, at the end of 2019, which we tried. It was a sexual harassment case for one victim of sexual harassment against a billionaire. The billionaire's name was Alki David, heir to a Greek Coca-Cola bottling fortune. The jury found him liable for battery, sexual battery, and sexual harassment against his former employee, Mahim Khan, a production assistant who worked at his Los Angeles-based media companies. She alleged he thrust his pelvis into her face and simulated oral sex. A jury came back with a verdict of $58,250,000 for our one victim of sexual harassment. So that is something that we would never have seen 10, 15 years ago. Allred says juries are starting to understand how serious sexual harassment can be. And there's been a shift in understanding the harm it can do to women. She says sexual harassment is a barrier to equal employment opportunity. Because if a woman has to suffer sexual harassment, then that interferes with her right to just be judged on her merits and enjoy equal employment opportunity. That's why it's against the law. Sexual harassment is a form of sex discrimination. Allred says the hashtag MeToo movement caught fire, which has helped. But she says she's been doing MeToo for 45 years. She says what she's seen in that time is that when women are victimized in the workplace, it places them in a no-win situation. That if they say yes, 
to the harasser, then the harasser at some point may get tired of them and fire them. And if they say no to the harasser, then he may go into ego shock and then at some point decide that he doesn't want her around anymore because she's not agreeing to what he wants sexually from her. Allred says workplace harassment damages women economically, socially, emotionally, and often physically. She says it's one of the many reasons she's a feminist, a word so many people, men and women, seem to be triggered by. But Allred says people who don't like the word feminist should look it up. It's simply a person who believes in equal rights for women with men, legally, socially, economically, politically, uh, in every way. Biagi says she sees men in politics triggered by the word feminist all the time, even if they don't admit it. And the way that it shows up is in different laws that are passed or comments that are made, honestly. There's also these little ways that we see it happening, right? When a woman speaks up um, anytime and says something and is spoken over or is interrupted, that's another way, I think, that people give us their tell on whether they actually do believe in and are considered feminists themselves. And so I think we have to really look out for those subtle cues. Biagi says politics has a long way to go. There are still old ways of thinking that are calcified into some of the leadership styles of our legislative process. For example... She's trying to close what's called the voluntary intoxication loophole. The loophole says if you are voluntarily intoxicated in the state of New York, you decided to drink and you are raped. Unless there is clear evidence like a video, the victim has no case. So there are a lot of perpetrators of rape that are falling through the cracks of justice. Biagi says in these talks with other state senators, the same questions keep coming up. The conversation that goes along the lines of this, okay, you know, we need to really work on this bill. And then the conversation back is, okay, well, let's talk about it. So if, you know, someone's being accused of rape and they thought that the person that they had sex with had consented, um, but the person didn't consent, like, how is that person supposed to know if they consented or not? And so that in and of itself as a, as a framework of questioning is highly problematic and riddled with um, a, really, a really serious uh, issue of victim blaming, which is very clear. Um, but when I respond and say that a person should not have sex with somebody if they do not have explicit consent because yes is yes and no is no, um, there's almost like a, a, a bewilderness to what I've said, that they can't have been imagined because, well, how are they supposed to know? Biagi says progress would be faster with more women in politics. Allred noted that President Obama described himself as a feminist while in office. She said he was the first. This sound is from NBC News from the 2016 Women's Summit. I know you're really here to see Michelle. Or Oprah. Actually, they're together, so you're here to see both of them. I, I cannot compete with them. But, but I did want to stop by and make one thing very clear. I may be a little grayer than I was eight years ago. 
but this is what a feminist looks like. 20 states have never had a woman as governor, including California and New York. The United States has also never had a female president. Allred says there's a reason. Because no one ever gives women any rights. We always have to fight to win them. And we haven't fought hard enough, long enough, well enough. And it's as simple as that. It took 72 years for us to win the right to vote. It really disturbs me when people say, oh, women were given the right to vote in 1920. No one ever gave it to us. We had to fight all that time to win it. Women marched. They lobbied. They were, they fasted. They, they went to jail. They were arrested. There they were forcibly fed because many of them wouldn't eat uh, because women didn't have the right to vote. Some of them died. Allred says the status quo is powerful. She says women need to resist that, at least until the most powerful political leader in the world can advocate for us. We have a saying, a woman's place is in the House, the White House. And so we just have to keep on keeping on fighting for that day when we will have a woman president, but a woman, woman who believes in women's rights. Allred says don't hope for it. She calls hope a child's word. She says instead work for it. In September of 2020, the United States Government Accountability Office released a report on workplace sexual harassment. It is 83 pages long and mostly focuses on data from federal workers, for good reason. The report found that all of the data on sexual harassment uses different types of questions and metrics. So it's like comparing apples to oranges, or rather, inappropriate touches to inappropriate comments over varying lengths of recall. The GAO included results from national surveys, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, the Pew Research Center, and MSPB's 2016 Merit Principles Survey, based on respondents from a random sample of federal employees. It found that the structure of the question and the recall period varies such that the results indicate anywhere from just 4% of women experiencing workplace harassment to 52%. The study concludes the EEOC needs to develop a national survey that includes sex-based harassment, saying, quote, the federal government could play a valuable role in realizing a nationwide survey to illuminate the magnitude of the problem of sexual harassment, including the cost to employees and employers, and to inform business and government policy decisions to reduce its occurrence. As of April 2021, no such survey has been developed. I was every single girl, I was nobody else, I was so sure of myself. I was 15 and a half, he was a hollow laugh, and I lost my Thanks for joining us for this week's 51%. Thanks to Ian Pickus and Tina Rennick for production assistance. Our executive producer is Dr. Alan Shartok. Our theme music is Lolita by Albany-based artist Girl Blue. 51% is a national production of Northeast Public Radio. If you'd like to hear this episode again or share it with your friends, sign up for our podcast or visit WAMC.org. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at 51% radio.